Welcome to Pursuing Success. My name is Alden. And I'm John. In this podcast, we dive into the fundamentals of success. Try to figure out how to be a little bit better each and every day. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. We got another episode uh, for you today, uh, and today we have a guest on, um, and uh, he is someone that we have known for quite some time. That's right. John Kazanjian is with us. Um, he owns John's Pack and Ship here in Ann Arbor, uh, as well as has done the mission work around the world, and uh, he hired both John and I to move boxes for him for student housing a long time ago, uh, so we've, as well as been a, a good friend and mentor to us over the years as well. So it's great to have you on, John. Happy to be here. Uh, just to hear about you and what you got to tell everyone listening. Thanks. Absolutely. It's good to be with you guys. I am so uh, proud of both of you, um, as you both probably know. And I'm just really impressed with what you're doing and how you guys are leading your lives and um, I want to learn more about your podcasting, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I must say you've played a, a good part in in uh, the success that John and I have seen so far. Well, you know, uh, I used to have a way of going about finding employees, and it was using the homeschooling network. Michelle, my wife, was very intimately involved with the homeschooling network. And she would tell me who I needed to hire. And she would say, uh, I've got some boys for you. These are the guys you want. Just keep an eye on the, the, the young middle schoolers coming up. Exactly. This guy's going to be a big one. Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously, big families was also very helpful. Neither of you were the first from your family to work with me, and uh, the legacy that was ahead of you did such a fantastic job. I was like, well, any nickel binds that I could get in the future, I'm very happy to employ any Carlsons that I could get in the future. You know, I've, I'm now at the last Carlson, but there are still some nickel binds for me to mine in that <laughs> There are a few, uh, few nickel binds coming down your pipeline. There are. David's been excellent already. He's, you can just tell. I mean, he's, he's not as old as the oldest boys, but he's already, you can tell, he's going to be a great, great helper for us in the future. So your business right now, it's been going over 20 years, right? Yeah, I started in... Um, 1990 and then I got the Michigan contract in 1997 so it's been um it's been a long run but yeah 1990 is when we first started so for everyone out there who doesn't know uh, could you explain what the business is it, it, it can be brief if we want to go into more specifics about how Kind of specifically how you built it. I think that'd sure. be more interesting to hear about. But yeah, it's a fun. It's actually a fun story. Um, I graduated from Michigan um, in econ, 
And my first job was with the university in the engineering department, backing up computers with magnetic tape. And the reason I got the job is because they didn't know I was an, not an engineer. They thought I was an engineer. And I got the job while I was still in school, but then they couldn't get an engineer to take the job because it was too menial. Then when I graduated, they said, do you want a full-time job? And I said, yes. The job was paying 22000 a year. Engineers were making 33000 a year at the time to start. So obviously there weren't going to be too many engineers uh, wanting that job. So I took it, um, but very quickly uh, figured out that the university hires people to do jobs. They'll never fire you, but they don't really give you a lot of work to do. So I was taking naps in my office every afternoon, going home early. They gave you five weeks of vacation a year. And I just thought, this is not good for me. I want, I'm not going to be learning as much. I won't be working very hard. This is a job for somebody who just wants a job. I don't just want a job. I, I actually want to see some success in my life. And um, so I went to them and I said, hey, I can do a lot more than this. And they said, no, that's not the way things work around here. So I said, okay. And I started looking for other jobs. And my first job after that was uh, with a darkroom equipment company. That's really old. Um, I was actually at the first photographic convention in Germany where they introduced the Nikon digital camera in the late 80s. Like, I got to get another line of work. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's exactly. Time to leave the darkroom industry. <laughs> exactly. And um, it's a huge photographic convention, 13 interconnected buildings in Cologne, Germany. The first day I had to walk around, I went straight for this Nikon booth and saw these cameras and practiced and played with one. And I got back to our booth and I looked at my boss and I said, we're in trouble. And he said, you know, our business has been around forever. They can't process the pictures well. They can't produce good photographs. Yeah, it's nice on the screen, but who carries a screen around with them everywhere they go? Yeah, fools. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I knew the writing was on the wall when I came home. And I thought it's just going to be a matter of time before these cameras come down in price and they learn how to make nice photographs from them. So, um, I got offered a job to go work for Tom Monahan at Domino's because they were buying shopping centers and wanted people to lease shopping center space uh, to commercial businesses. And they had built a shopping center out here on Washtenaw, and I um, was the leasing agent for that property, and it was a really bad idea, that property. And, uh, of course, I didn't know that because I didn't know much. And <clears throat> I worked there for a few years. But it was while I was working there that I would go around um, looking for businesses that would want to expand or move. So I would, you know, I'd just go door to door, business to business, and say, are you ex interested in expanding or moving? And this one business I walked into said, uh, no, but we know of a business like ours for sale on the other side of town. You know anyone who's interested? And I thought, hmm, this isn't complicated. And that was the one thing that I was seeing 
in the businesses that I was going to that I saw were successful. I saw these guys that were running these business weren't really highly intelligent. They weren't even great business people. They either got into something that they just worked well or it was a good time for that particular market, whatever they were selling or uh, servicing. And I thought, you know, the packing and shipping business seemed to be on the rise. Like there were stores called mailboxes, et cetera. This one was called the packaging store. And so I checked into it and I saw that it was not owned by uh, the, the owner was not running it. And I thought that was a bad idea for a small business. I thought the owner should be involved in the business. And this place wasn't. The owner was absentee. And uh, that, you know, opens up a lot of opportunities for theft. Um, And this business had good sales, but they weren't making any money. And I negotiated a price to buy that business. Um, It was $10,000 down and uh, $20,000 note. And uh, I borrowed money from uh, my in-laws and from a cousin and uh, started, you know, took over the business in November of 1990. Uh, It was a great time to take over the business because it was right before the holiday season and it was a great holiday store. We People would bring in their Christmas packages to ship. And so that's what I was doing. After the Christmas season was over, business fell off. So I would just sit in my shop reading. What do I want to do next? How can I expand this business? What else can I do? Um, And I would just be reading books and thinking about how I could expand the operation. And that was 1990. One of the big contracts that I knew was out there for a business like mine was this university moving and storage business. In the meantime, I started a drop-off pickup laundry business at my store where people could drop off their shirts or suits and I would send them out, have them cleaned, bring them back so people, it was a neighborhood store, so people could just, from the neighborhood, could do that service. So I started learning about laundry and cleaning and then I um, bid on the contract in 1995, and in 1997, they granted me the contract. At that point, it was about one-fifth the size of what it is right now. And in essence, um, the business model that you go by is all of the, so the stores right near University of Michigan, just a couple miles off, and all of the students from East Coast, West Coast, all around can't store all their stuff, or they could, but it's so expensive to store or ship all their stuff back and forth in between semesters. Right. Uh, so you, with, by getting the contract with Michigan, are just the recommended place to just store your stuff for the summer. Yeah, so you get years. two big, there, there are really two big features of getting the contract. One is you're the only one that can go in the dorms and set up a store during move-out season for selling boxes and tape, for taking stuff that they want to store for the summer and for shipping stuff home. But even more important than that, they recommend you to the student's parents. My customer isn't really the student, it's their parents. Like in a lot of businesses, 
um, the person that's actually being served isn't necessarily the person paying the bill. And you need to talk to the person paying the bill. So the person you most want to speak to is the mother of the student. The person you want to advertise to is that. So that's how we got started. And once we got that contract, we started building a relationship with the university. And I've seen that all along as the most important thing that we could do. Why? Because every three years, the contract comes up for renewal. And I want them to be happy with what we're doing. If they're happy with us, they're going to keep us. And they have now since 97, and now it's been 20-some years. Um, And then whenever they have a problem that they can't handle, that comes to do with moving and storage, they call us. If there's a tragedy, the dean's office calls us to move that student's belongings. If there's a situation with a student where there's a conflict, housing will call us. If there's a student that's poor and the university wants to take responsibility for it, then there's an office at the university that takes care of that. Once you kind of, once everybody gets to know who you are, they're calling on you often. And in the last two years since the pandemic, they've been calling us a lot. So it's a good place to be, being it pretty is. high up on that film list. It is. It, uh, I, I say that, you know, we attached our caboose to a very big engine in 1997, and they have taken us for a great ride. Um, then you, you know, of course, expanding that, you want to get to know landlords around campus. You want to get to know the management companies around campus and the, the sororities and the fraternities. You want to get to know who runs those, who manages them. Uh, the house mothers at the sororities are key people to get to know. So over the years, you get to know these people. You build relationships with them. You learn what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, how to say it, how not to say it, um, how to build relationships because really, in the end, that's what is going to drive business to you is the relationships. So even people that you're like, they're just, you know, people who used to do things that I thought were stupid, I would just say, gosh, that person is stupid. But you know what? Eventually that person finds out that I called them stupid somehow. And it would have been much smarter not to say that. So no matter what you think about what somebody's doing or how qualified they are just just bite your tongue smile keep working keep your cool don't react don't overreact this is this is my mantra now your your patience over the years has been <laughs> incredible honestly like there have been so many times some crazy person and, and like not all students are crazy sometimes you get a lot of really nice students but there are the every once in a while people who are just more difficult to deal with that's just a fact and i've been by your side a lot of times when i'm like oh how's he gonna deal with this one yeah <laughs> it, I, i've i've made a lot of mistakes alden um and I've learned a lot from the younger people hanging around me because I always would say, don't, don't, don't do as I say, no, don't do as I do, do as I say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't imitate me. Um, And the young people 
are very tight-lipped and they handle themselves well. You can tell they come from good families. They don't react. Um, even now, I've got my son-in-law, David, working for me. I just learn a lot from working with David. You know, he's very even-keeled. He's, you know, he's a rainy. He's just like his dad. And uh, he just knows how to not escalate a situation. And learning how to do that is, is not easy. I mean, it's, real, it's really hard. So your business isn't really box moving. It's, it's like more just people skills. Yeah. Like way yeah. more of that. Like you can be the most responsible person in the world, but like if you make enough people mad who have a lot of like influence. Sure. It's just no point. Yeah. And believe me, there's a lot of influential people who send their kids to Michigan. There are a lot of them. Very influential people. You, you know, people that everybody knows. And, you know, they're my customers. It's kind of cool to know that you've got customers who are very influential people. You know, when the university calls and says, we want you to move the stuff out of this girl's room. You know who she is, but you should never ask who she is. And don't ask for their parents' name. And don't call them. We'll call you. You know, I mean, you're like, oh, okay. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know? I've, I've been around for, for a few of those. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting. It is. It's always a good time. And when, and when the parents are there and you get a chance to meet them and talk to them and see that they're ordinary people. Uh, and just treat them like, the, you know, you just treat them like good customers and do your best to serve them. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So that, that's been my, you know, I, I, I love small business. I love being around young people. I love um, creating the atmosphere that our business operates in, enjoying the camaraderie, working side by side, I don't work as hard as I used to. You guys probably are the last ones that have seen me working like I can or I have. I don't work that way anymore because <laughs> I don't. My body can't handle it. My yeah, back can't. Some of the things you were doing back in the day, that, that wasn't sustainable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, look, watching you guys do the, you know, when you were younger, but your younger siblings now do the work, I'm just like, um, I so appreciate my employees that that's another big part of it i think just expressing gratitude for the people working for you paying them well uh paying them more than they could get anywhere else at their age giving them a lot of responsibility um then sending people out to work with them who they are then responsible for and then them coming back and saying to me don't don't send this guy with me anymore, you know, or uh, can we have that guy instead of that guy, you know? And then, then I start to learn like, okay, um, I need to talk to that guy and say, why, why is it that two different teams uh, didn't want you working with them? You know, in, in all these years, I've, I've never fired anyone. I never had to. I would just bring that one guy in and say, hey, what's going on? Because these guys don't want you on their team. And we're all working hard. We, you can see that. And you're either going to work hard or you're not going to work. 
So you decide if you want to work, then come to work tomorrow. And if you don't, don't worry about it. We'll still pay you, you know, just don't come back. And, you know, learning how to do that and enjoying like then the fruit of it, because the people that do stay, they love to hang around, you know, Mm -hmm. going out to lunch together, you know, with the team has always been fun, you know, and, uh, having barbecues in the middle of the day at the warehouse has always been so much fun. And, you know, um, knowing who the best customers are that tip real well and say, Hey, you two guys who have worked for me forever, why, why don't you go and take care of that job and, and, uh, enjoy yourselves. You remember you, I think John and I have been on one of those maybe more before. It's always <laughs> like, trust me. Do everything she says. That's right. <laughs> Just go. Every time you pass by her, she'll probably give you $100. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, it's it's fun. It's, it is. It's enjoyable. I love doing it. Um, it's been a pleasure building the business. But, um, yeah. I mean, I could tell you all kinds of stories. but Honestly, stories sound great. Um if you have any that come straight to mind, go right ahead. What, what kind of things do you guys like to talk <clears throat> about? Like, I mean, seriously, you know, I, I can, if you ask me a question or tell me, like, uh, I've, you could tell some stories as well of, of things that happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a, we've, we've experienced a lot at John's Pack and Chip as well. So in general on the podcast, we, we like to give people the the opportunity just to, just to like what you're doing now. Just, this is what I want to say. Go ahead. Uh, be happy to, to direct a little bit uh, into stories if you'd like. Um, so I, there was just going a little bit into what you said about, um, what is it? Just working with you personally was really fascinating back when I was first starting. Cause I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, probably like 14 or so. Right. And I remember this specific time I worked with you one day, uh, the entire day I was with you, I believe at least the afternoon, just doing pickups. I think it was just me and you. And when at the very end of the day, I don't know if you remember, um, we, I was, my dad was picking me up and I was exhausted because you have to match John's pace, old John's pace, you know, like the when John was working with us pace. Uh, and um, and you remember you looked at me and you said, good job, Alden. And you looked at my dad and said, he can keep up or something like that. You're like, yeah, he did well. And my dad was like, great. <laughs> my dad happy go lucky. Nice. But I was like, sweet, I passed pretty much because uh, that's just so much. That was the cool part. The, the your This business is like only probably a month out of the year because you were just mentioned earlier that there's the, the, the winter time is the busy time and what to do with the rest of the year. This is like move in, move out, end of summer, right. beginning of summer. And so that like the culture you've built is also like an extra layer of you just when you're here, you work hard because it's not very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's also very challenging um, to find the number of employees, especially in this kind of climate, who will do the work and at such a high level of, you know, demand. Um, we need like 50 or 60 people for three weeks, two to three weeks in April and May. 
we need another 50 to 60 people for three to four weeks in August to do move-in. How are you going to find that many qualified people to work all those hours for a short period of time? That, that's been the biggest challenge. And frankly, all of my neighbors around my business, the other business owners, come to me often and say, where do you get your guys? Um, the electrician next door has hired two of our guys, and they're now journeyman electricians. Um, the businesses all, all around me, they come to me and say, how, how do you do this? Now, as I've said, I got most of my employees through either homeschooling or church connections, and then their families and their friends. Um, How are you going to get that kind of help that no one else can find, that can do the type of work and work as hard as we do? Well, the only way you're going to do it is, first of all, find good people. Find like you guys started working when you were fourteen. Who is going to go out there and hire a fourteen-year-old and say, "I'm going to pay that kid in today's dollars like the minimum we pay right now, even to a fourteen-year-old, is like eleven dollars an hour, up to twenty dollars an hour." Okay, you're going to pay an eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old right now twenty dollars an hour? Uh, yeah. And you're going to give them a 16-foot truck to drive? Yeah. And, and you're going to send them into the house of Arnold Schwarzenegger's son to move him? Yeah. Like, are you crazy? No, I trust those guys. They've been working for me since they were 14. I know they can do the job. There's no reason why they can't do it. And when you have that kind of relationship with people where there's that trust between you and your employees that you're, you've been encouraging them from the time that they were 14 years old. They just know John's got my back. He's going to take care of me. If I make a mistake, he's not going to kill me. I mean, that's, you guys have heard my mantra so many times, like there's not a mistake that you will make that I have not made. The only thing I need you to do is to tell me when you've made a mistake as quickly as possible so I can fix it. Guys will do stupid stuff because they're young and make mistakes. Will they get into accidents? Yes, they're young people. They're going to get into accidents with my truck. It happens. So have I. I've gotten into accidents with my truck. You know, my 45-year-old manager has probably gotten into the worst accident with one of our trucks. I remember that one. Yeah. That's, how is he alive? That was good. So, I mean, there's just all that kind of stuff that's going to happen. And you, and the only way you're going to manage is, you know, number one, love people. Number two, treat people well. Number three, um, try and be wise about how much authority you give them and work with them. You know, some kids are ready when they're 16 to run a truck. Some aren't ready when they're 18, you know, and you have to be able to know who you can trust to do that. 
I think you guys ran trucks when you were 16 or 17. On the other hand, you know that there are guys that have worked for me that are now 18, and I still hesitate to give them a truck to run. But that's okay. You just have to, you just have to know who you can, who can do what. Yeah, it's like everyone, everyone in life kind of, if, if they want to, they could ask for it and kind of show that they wanted to move up for it. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily like there's equal opportunity for everyone to step up right, and make their mark on, on any business in life, any endeavor yeah. in life. So it's, it's like, there you go. Like you've got your, yeah. your way of evaluating people uh, and that's it. Here's a good story that the, there's a guy right now who was one of my first employees. Um, I, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying his name. His name is Jeff. He is now, um, he has been the chief of staff for a billionaire now for about 30 years. No, maybe 20 some years. Um, when he worked for me, it was obvious that he was a leader. But he came to me and he just said, Mr. Kazanjan, I just want to move boxes. Give me a pile of boxes to move and I'll take care of it for you. Take me wherever you want. Have me load that truck, unload that truck, whatever. But don't give me paperwork to do. I don't want to do any paperwork. Now, it's not like he couldn't do it. And he hasn't done it now all his life. He has significant responsibilities. But you just have to know, like, here's what I want to do. Okay, I'm ready to use that skill. If you don't want to go to the next level right now, that's okay. So you just have to work with people where they're at and not push them beyond necessarily, you know, where they want to go right now. Absolutely. I think, uh, so I have taken a lot of lessons from you. Lessons that you've like specifically told me and lessons that have just rubbed off. I think one (laughs) of the, one of the biggest ones um, that you've really nailed is being able to manage people, but like not micromanaging them. You, you're always able to control the room um, in, in a way where people really look up to you, uh, people that work for you. You create such a, a positive culture where if you're not working hard, it's it's like a disservice and, and like a disrespect to not only the company as well as just personally on John, um, it, the business owner. And for yourself, yeah. kind of disrespecting the capability that you have to to work okay, as so, an individual. So, so let's... Temper down the praise for a sec, because I'm going to tell you a story here just from this year. So um, as you know, my son-in-law, David, came to work for us right when the pandemic began. And he's really taken over a lot of the supervision of the teams and doing all of the outside the office work, like uh, how many teams do we need? Where are they going to be? Who's at the warehouse? Who's on campus? Um, you know, who's going to lead the trucks? How is he going to separate out the teams? Now, he's, he's taken a huge burden off of me by doing that. This spring, um, I had a lot of guys coming back who were maybe in their lower to mid-20s, guys that are your age, um, who you know, you guys know these guys. And um, 
One of them had not worked for me in probably six or seven years. And he said to one of the other guys out in the garage area, what happened to John? I overheard him say this. And the guy goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't remember him being this peaceful before. (laughs) (laughs) He used to be so much more intense. And he goes, yeah, that's, that's probably because of David. And, uh, and it was true. That, that was the correct answer. It was because of David. It was also because I had older guys that day, and I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about what was going on. I knew it was going to be taken care of. Well, later that day, now David didn't hear that conversation. Later that day, David's at the warehouse, and you know things are going full speed bonkers. And he texts me, and he said, I do not know how you ever did all of this by yourself for so many years. And I said, well, it was two reasons I could do it. One is I didn't sleep. I would work every waking hour. And during the night, while I was sleeping, I was planning for the next day. I can physically remember doing this often. And I said, and the second thing you should know is I obviously didn't do it with the best attitude. Um, you really get stretched. Like you guys have, you, you guys were both involved in basketball and sports. There's a difference between a guy when he's tired and under pressure than normal. You've seen it in yourself and you've seen it in other guys. Um, you, you know the kind of pressure we have on us during move out. You know, we've got 16 trucks going out, three guys per truck. We're going to do 140 pickups today before one o'clock. And you're just looking around, seeing stacks of pickup sheets, stacks of labels. And you're like, how could we ever get that much work done in the next five hours? And then unload all those trucks and then go to the dorms and start loading stuff that's coming out of the dorms. And by seven o'clock, you are just, you know, you are just totally exhausted. Now, the only way that that's going to happen with any, to, to do it well, is attitude. And the thing that I always struggled with was, having a good attitude about it, not, not losing my cool, being appreciative, being thankful, being encouraging, being supportive, um, trying to know what guys needed. I mean, how many times did you guys go and work one of those days and did not take a break at all for lunch, for dinner? I mean, you're like, uh, yeah, we're just going to go through the drive through. We'll grab some food we, you know, we were at the sorority. They gave us some food while we were there. We're good. I mean, how many times have you guys done that? I, I, I'm, I'm sure multiple times. <clears throat> yeah. Not regrettably either. It, like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a good job. Yeah. <laughs> it can sound bad. Look, it can sound bad to say it. I'm just like, thinking like, like was, who would do that for somebody? You guys did that for me. You did that for my company. You did that knowing that I was going to, I mean, you were certainly getting paid, but come on, nobody works like that. I used to have my friends who own businesses come in and say, 
you got to give your guys, you know, here's the law. They're going to work four hours and then they have to have a 15 minute break. And then they're going to work. If they work another four hours, they're going to get at least a one hour break, you know, and then you're going to pay them overtime, you know? And I was just like, look, I can't figure all that out. I just have to get guys that are willing. So for me, I was just seeing how much people were working hard to get this thing to happen. And I was so grateful. I mean, you can't buy that kind of loyalty. You can't, you know, you just can't. Like looking back a little bit, you're like, where does that come from? Like, where does it originate? That kind of like that loyalty. I don't know the way to describe it. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, look, <laughs> we had so much fun doing it together. I mean, we laughed a lot. We were sweating like crazy. We would just enjoy one another's company. Um, the, the whole deal to me was just, you know, yeah, we, we, this is crazy. I can't even believe we can get this done, but doggone it we're having fun i mean do you remember doing the work in the pandemic like when they sent us and said yeah we have 800 kids who have not moved their stuff out of their dorm rooms we want you to go in and pack up all their rooms like you guys came back and worked when you had other jobs i mean you you were already running successful businesses and you would come and work for me because i needed help why is anyone going to do that if you have no relationship with them? I mean, it's not worth the 20 or $25 an hour you're going to make doing it. But we, we did it and we got it done. And we did it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I remember being with like your younger siblings um, in different buildings and how hard they were working. You're, and some of you, even your older siblings, like, would come back and work. Paul would come back and work. And, you know, Honda would come back and work. I mean, these guys are, you know, they have real jobs. They have real responsibilities. And, you know, they would just come back and do it. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I am very much indebted to the young people that have worked for me. And I love the fact that you guys um, are, you know, you were some of the best. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, and it's a lot of hard work, which is, uh, which is always good. Yeah. Learned a lot of uh, lessons through that. T- John, tell me like one of the, one of your pack and ship memories of something that, you know, one of the stories that, you did like something that happened. <laughs> I can, I can think of some, there's so many, yeah. um, there's like well, different categories of stories too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, we'll go back to that. So I heard of John's pack and ship through Paul and it was uh, the first year and it was, um, move in and I have no idea what I'm getting into. Um, I just, I show up to 1414, um, my first day, <laughs> 
and I don't know what's going on. I just uh, see everyone unloading trucks, and I just start grabbing boxes, and I'm, I'm like putting boxes all in the wrong spot and getting told where to put them. And uh, I got lost in 1414 for a little bit. And that place is a maze. Um, and it was it's like the hottest day in... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> so hot. It always is. It, but yeah. Every day is the hottest day. It's so nice. And I, that I just, is a really confu- That is the most confusing building on campus. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is quite confusing. Um, but I remember at the end of the day, after doing 1414 and then just like seeing sort of how it went, I'm like, I don't know that I'm ever going to come back <laughs> after the first day. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was rough, but I'm, I'm glad they did. And, uh, it was, it's been it's been a lot of hard work, but also um, it's been a lot a lot of fun fun times too. There was one building I went to that was like, it's the one the brick giant brick one that's like thirteen and a half or something. I think it's one of those end a half addresses on South U, mm-hmm. and yeah, is this giant fire escape in the back in the back, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so we're supposed to pick up something in this building, and you're like just staring down this. Like huge fire escape 10 sets of <laughs> yes. and you're like oh, i just hope there's it's no not at there's the top. no elevator i just hope it's not at the top and you keep walking up and up i just hope it's not at the top dang it it was at the top <laughs> of course and you're just like you just you're just counting steps on yeah. all the way up and down because it's like up and down and up and down you only got two or three guys those are the jobs that like were so brutal at the time but you're like you know what that's that's pretty fun. <laughs> like, like now, yeah. now what do I, do I ever get the opportunity to do that again? <clears throat> when am I ever going to, you know, I had, um, there were some missionaries that came, uh, they were here for a year getting some training and I was working with their organization and I said, Hey, if, if you want to loan me those three guys for a couple of weeks, um, I'll be able to, you know, pay them well. And then um, they'll have some pocket money to go home with. And they said, okay, you know, they'll give them two weeks off to work for me. And I think there were like three or four of them. And we showed up at Bursley at the end of the day uh, and nobody had been up there. And it was one of those days where it's just wall-to-wall boxes in the entire lobby stacked up at least two or three high. And we just walked in the door and there was no one there. It was just the three of us. And as you know, Bursley is not an easy place to get in and out of. You know, you walk up some steps, you go through the doors, you walk up some more steps, and everything is there in the lobby just piled up. And I just looked at the guys and said, well, they're not going to move. You know, you've, you've, you've heard me say this. They won't move by themselves. <laughs> um, and we just start, you know, picking them up and carrying them out and loading the truck. And it, we're there for maybe... I don't know, half an hour, just the three of us load all those boxes up and we're just pouring sweat. And the end of it, like they had one of those tables set out with lemonade and iced tea and cookies that they do at the end of the year in the lobby. And we just sat on a couch. We, we each had you know, some cookies and something to drink. And we were just looking at each other, stuffing cookies in our mouth and, and, you know, drinking a cold drink and then looked at each other and said, well, that's only one. There are several more dorms that we have to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> These guys had never worked that hard in their lives. And that's, that's the other thing brutal. I say to people, like especially the newest guys, like John, when you were there, you're 14 years old. 
And I usually look at them and I say, you're going to work hard. You're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life. I've heard that so many times. Like we'll get there at eight o'clock in the morning and there'll be like the guys who just, everyone's stretching their legs, starting to get going. And then there's the certain people who just kind of standing to the side. And I was like, you're going to have to dive into the rhythm every like pretty soon. Might as well just do it now. Like, come on. And the thing that you find out, and I actually found this out early on from a young guy, Zach Simpkins. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Zach, but he and his brother Ian are um, cousins to the Cousinos. And he's a chiropractor now, um, Zach is. And uh, he was like, I swear, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. And um, he was worked for me maybe my second or third move out. And there was not a box that that kid would not pick up. And I, I, you couldn't even see him from the waist up because the box would completely <laughs> obscure his upper torso. You just saw this box with two legs walking around. <laughs> and you said, all right, that's, that's Zach. And uh, he would just keep moving. And I just thought, it's mostly heart. It's mostly in the heart. Um, I've, I've sent guys out with John, with your sisters, both of them. And I've just said, don't let her let you look bad. Don't let her make you look bad. And they'll first, they'll look at me like, what the heck are you talking about? And then when they get back at the end of the day, they're like, man, that girl could work me under a table, man. That girl would not quit. They, you know, it's just, it's in the heart. It really is. And you discover things about yourself. You're like, you know, that was really hard work, but it didn't kill me. And man, oh man, I did it. I made it. I'll never forget coming over to 922 Church and you and your brother, John, had I sent you guys over there because the landlord said, um, all my tenants left, and they've left a pile of stuff here, of really expensive stuff. I remember that. You remember yeah. that? And I and the, he said, just come over here with an empty truck, and I swear you'll load it up with $300, um, you know, comforters, $200 pairs of boots, you know, just piles of stuff that these girls had left behind. They just walked away. And we thought, hey, you know, we can give it away to our employees. We can take it over to share house, give it to, you know, whatever. And I remember going over there and the two of you, I think John, your brother, and Paul was wearing like a sombrero or something. <laughs> yep. that he, had yep. found he found the sombrero. He, was was wearing, just, he wore it the rest of the day. He wore it the rest of the day. <laughs> and he's just marching in and out of this house with piles of stuff and throwing it in the truck. And I just thought, who's going to do that for you? Who could I send over to that house? I can send two nickel binds, that's for sure. And the job will get done. (laughs) Well, so that, so 922, that place had, um, I remember this actually because it was, it had a drone in there. And it was the first drone that I ever flew. Is that right? So honestly, I mean, because you sent me there, maybe, maybe. uh, That's where you got your first drone. That's how I got into it, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like a, Seven or eight hundred dollar drone that they just left there. I can't. I can't get past the fact people are leaving that kind of stuff behind. <laughs> hey, I went today. Uh, a mother asked me to go pick up some stuff from her daughter because 
she had too much stuff in her room and she needed to send, you know, they had shipped too much stuff for her room and they needed to send it back. And I went to, um, she was staying at the hotel right now because the mom didn't want her staying in the dorm. I don't know why exactly, but so she's staying at the graduate. So I pull into the graduate and I call the girl and I say, your mom said that you were going to bring me down some stuff. And she comes down with three unopened packages of four towels, each package. So there's 12 towels. <laughs> and she said, yeah, she sent too many. And I was like, yeah, 12 towels is probably more than you need if, you know. She, I said, is there more stuff to bring down? And she said, yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. I got to make one more trip. She came down with three more bags of unopened four sets of towels. That's 12 more. Now we've got 24 towels that are unopened that I'm going to ship back home. And I said, is that it? She said, no, no, one more trip. She goes up and gets two more oh. unopened packages plus an opened package of three towels. <laughs> there was only three in that one. And uh, I said, is, is, is that it? She goes, yeah, that's it. So I don't know how anyone would possibly need 30-some towels. A lot of towels. And that's uh, not all of her towels because she obviously yeah, she kept, kept some. some. Like, I'm curious, did she keep one? <laughs> like I can't, I can't. Maybe it she out. took one out of that, <laughs> like one, out of the open, and then that's and it. said, "Mom, I, I really only need one towel." And she's staying at the graduate. Guess what they do at the graduate? Oh, they no. do your laundry for you. You're staying at a hotel. You don't need towels at all. That is insane. The amount of stuff that's just—it's it, John and I. Last year, we would uh, when we were living together, we would go around campus just picking up random crap that people would leave behind. Yeah. We probably made like just a thousand bucks just off of. Like oh, I've done that many years stuff. now. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's fun. Like just, just perusing the roads. Oh, like, cause we've worked campus before. We know all. Yeah. The, all the you spots. know where to go. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, Oh, that was, <laughs> you know where to get used boxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. The week after move in, all, all the streets are lined with John's bag and shit boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking too of just the ability as a business owner to have an influence, you know, like, as you guys know, I, I've also done a lot of missionary work and, um, traveled overseas, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, um, the Caribbean and, I think about the way that I've been able to just kind of influence people in some good way, like do some good that influences people to do good. Um, and I've loved doing that missionary work. I mean, I, I teach on um, forgiveness, the danger of not forgiving, um, why, why you should forgive why you should resist unforgiveness. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's a really important work that I've done. 
but as I've been thinking about it over the last couple of years, I've thought, now, John, where have you had more influence? Have you had more influence on these young guys that have worked for you or overseas when you're talking and telling people what to do and what not to do? There is really something about um, working with people and then seeing you at work and how you carry yourself when you're doing the ordinary. And this is very ordinary work. I mean, come on. There, carrying boxes is, is not rocket science, right? I mean, you don't have to be very highly intelligent or highly skilled to do what we do. Um, sure, logistics can be complicated and figuring out, you know, who can do what and all, all the stuff we've been talking about. But I think the most influence that we have is the way we carry ourselves um, when we're doing the ordinary mundane stuff of life. How, do, how does that guy act when when the camera's not on him. That's what really tells the mark of a man. And I think if there's one thing I've, I, I, I've noticed in the last years, the people that have influenced me the most are those people. Um, Dave Campbell, who is my manager, um, and you guys know he takes care of all the trucks and we rent moving trucks for budget and um, Dave's just, he hates that job. He always has. He's never wanted to do it, but he has done that job for 15, 20 years now. Why? Well, certainly I pay him well. He makes good money doing it. Um, he needs to take care of his family. But I, he's come to me and said, why do you pay me this much for doing this job? People that do this job don't get this much. And I look at him and I'm like, because you're Dave. Because I need you. Because I want you around. Because having you around is a good influence in my life. Because you're one of the few guys in this world who can look me in the eye and say, you're full of crap, John. You're making a big mistake. And I can listen to you. And that is of huge value to me. You know, not many people will feel confident enough to be able to say that to their boss. The kind of environment that we create when we're building a business trying to build that camaraderie among the people, trying to build a sense of togetherness, um, that I'm in this with you, that we can talk to each other, that even though I'm the boss, you can, you know, point stuff out to me that I'm, you think I'm doing wrong, um, that you know that I respect you, that you respect me. This is the stuff of life. This is like, this is what's, what it's really all about, I think. And in the end, you know, when I think of, you know, look, I'm almost 60 now. How many more years am I going to do this? I don't plan on retiring. I'll still be in the office. I'll still answer phones. 
but how much am I going to be influencing people? No, David, my son-in-law, is now going to be more influential in terms of like relating to those guys, being that guy that I was to you. And I'm thinking, I want him to do it even better than I did it, you know? So that when, you know, it's 20 years down the line, people are looking at David and saying, wow, David, you treated us so well. You did such a good job. We enjoyed working with you. We had so much fun, you know? that That's what it's all about. I think some of us can get caught up in, like, I want to go out and do something for the Lord. I want to, you know, do great things for God's kingdom. And for many of us, that great thing that we'll be able to do is to provide good jobs for good people and teach them that they can do it themselves. I think you two are going to be among the best entrepreneurs that ever worked for me. I really do. I think you're both gifted entrepreneurs. And I'm, I can't wait to see what you guys build in the next 10 to 15 years. I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch it happen. I've seen guys come along. I've, I've, I've had guys work with me who say, I want to start. I want to do what you do. And I'm like, don't do what I do. Do what you want to do, you know, and, but do it well. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see that because you guys will be able to employ more people, provide good jobs in this crazy world, provide a good environment for them to work in where they don't have to worry about what they say every second they open their mouth. And if they make a mistake or do something wrong, you'll say, yep, you blew it, but we're going to fix it and let's move on. You know, hopefully what you saw in me, the good you saw in me, you'll be able to carry through into whatever businesses you guys begin or are already beginning. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I, I like that. So I think that leads, uh, I think that leads us into um, a question that we ask all of our, our one, one moment on. though. I'll continue. <clears throat> I want to say thank you. Yeah. Just, I think it needs to be said. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so grateful for the Nickelbein and Carlson family. You guys have been um, just a tremendous blessing to my life. And um, I, I am incredibly grateful. <laughs> John, go, go right ahead. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think uh, definitely for, for myself and, and Alden here, you've made a huge impact on us and uh we'll keep we'll keep working um but not for you for us. that's right <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. for me please you guys need to start you know and you will i know you will you have and you will you know you will you will do much bigger things than i did <clears throat> by no. the time you guys are 60 you will be very successful very successful i'm totally confident in this you will be some of the most successful financially and also influentially it's pretty that's gonna be tough to live up to i think perhaps you will exceed me i i i guarantee it (laughs) all right well it's documented now (laughs) 
Um, so there's a lot of stuff, honestly, I would love to talk about still. Uh, I want to hear more about your mission work in particular. Perhaps we can just do it another time. I, I don't be, know which time you have, but uh, yeah, you guys, we, whenever you want to have me back, I'd love to come back and talk about but that too. But that sounds, sounds, I'm just, tonight, I can do that. Perfect. Um, so however much we have time for, but if you'd be willing to do it again, we'd be totally willing to. to yeah. This but is fun. It's, I want to learn more about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> you said you've done radio before, right? I have. I've bit. done a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've done some radio interviews and then some radio shows with a friend of mine who has a missionary. He's a missionary and he does a, a show, um, you know, for, uh, that, that's been on the radio for a long time. So mm-hmm. and it's cool to podcast and you can just go anywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> I've always been telling him that he should get into podcasting. So we'll yeah, see. podcasting has really, uh, really exploded these last couple of years. It, really it was, uh, it was just, sort of a fringe thing just a couple of years and everyone realized, wow, you can really connect with people on, on a different level that in an, like a, an uncensored way where you can really uh, learn a lot about people and people want to hear that. People want to hear the, the real side about um, people. It's like, yeah. it's like a little interview. It's like more about the really long conversation right. and what you can get into in an hour and a half, two hours, hour versus like, a short interview that's just it's short interviews or like uh, you'll see stuff like after uh after a sports game the reporter will come up and talk to someone for just ask the questions that you have to ask yeah. with podcasting it's like you get two people in a room who are the same people me and john are always the same people and then we have fun people on and you get a whole different side of it so i always yeah. i really appreciate the the format absolutely uh, John, you were going to say ask a question. Let's let's go into that right now. It's not a question we always ask people, and everyone has a different answer. So yeah, so this podcast is called Pursuing Success because uh, we are each and every day pursuing success. Right. Uh, so, what is success to you, and do you think you're successful? Wow, that's a big question. It is. Let's just start with the first half. There's then. so much. Th- that comes to mind when you say that. Okay. So first of all, to me, ultimately what is going to determine whether our lives are successful or not is uh, be going to be determined by something we cannot see. Um, and what I mean by that is um, I believe, personally, I believe in eternity and i want i want to live forever uh whatever 80 or 90 years i have on this earth is not enough and i believe i believe that there is a god i believe that um he made us because he loves us and i believe that he wants us to be with him forever um but i don't believe that life with him forever is automatic. I think the choices we make um, and what we believe um, ultimately will determine uh, whether we get to enjoy eternity with him or not. So I don't want to, you know, I've already talked about the fact that I've done missionary work, so you obviously know probably what I believe, and I'm not going to preach here, but I just want to tell you that 
success to me will be whether I make it to heaven or not. Um, now, do I think that's in danger? Do I think that that's um, at risk? No, I'm confident that I'm going to be with him for eternity, but I'm not there yet. And as long as I'm not there, then it is in question, okay? And you can say, well, it shouldn't be in question in your mind. Well, I'm not there yet. So um, I, I believe that that's the biggest question. That will determine my success. Now, what else means success? Also, what means success is, what is it that is in you, and how important is that to you so that you're willing to share it with others because it's so important, you want them to enjoy that with you. Like, I want to be in heaven with my wife and all my children and all my grandchildren and you and you and all of my friends. And so how, what, what can I do to influence people so that they will say, you know what, uh, John's a good man, but it's not just what he does. He does some great things, but it all comes out of what he believes. And if he didn't believe what he did believe, then he wouldn't act the way he's acting. John's not acting that way just because he wants to be nice and make money. John's acting that way because he believes that his eternal destiny depends on it. So when I go into, a, a, as you guys know, a lot of our customers are Jewish. There's a lot of Jewish kids at the University of Michigan. I'm not going to go into my customers' rooms and proselytize them. But you know what? Every one of those customers, I would bet you, knows that Christians work in my organization. Now, some of them know that because we have guys like Mike Ginnick who wears a gigantic cross and 100 miraculous medals on a chain. But most of us don't look like that. Yet they know by the way we act and they have a certain expectation of us because of that. And they're not, you know, I've never said Pack and Ship is a Christian organization or a Christian business. No, I, I don't want to put that pressure. But I, and you guys have heard me say this many times, especially at the beginning of Move Out. People are deciding that they trust us with their most treasured belongings. They're giving them to us because they believe we're going to take good care of them and bring them back to them. Why do they believe that? Just because we're nice people? Just because they're paying us? No. They do it because they look at the people that are doing it and they say, wow, those boys are amazing. Like, look how young they are. Why are they acting as they do? Most people we deal with don't act this way. And that, to me, is what determines success, is when you can influence people without even having to tell them what you believe. 
yes, I do go out and tell people what I believe when they give me an opportunity to do that. And I love doing that. But I think one of the things for me that determines success is how much can you influence people just by the way you act and behave and talk and carry yourself and what kind of influence can you be to help people be open to the much bigger questions of life? Um, if, if I do that well, then everything else falls into place. I never thought that we would become as successful as we are. You know, I mean, doing 900 kids laundry every week in a company that I started, pick up, wash, dry, fold, becoming the number one truck rental dealer for budget in the entire county to the point that they closed down all the other dealerships, Um, becoming the sole provider for moving services for the University of Michigan students. (laughs) Like, who the heck are you to do that? Um, and now the university wants us, now, now we're delivering all the COVID meals. And then last week they just called and said, we want you to deliver all the vaccines to all the various um, clinics for the University of Michigan. And then, and then a student dies and they call you to go pack up that student stuff every time a student dies. Like, this to me is what tells me I'm successful. And in the end, the financial success that we've enjoyed because of it is truly secondary. I live in the same house that I've lived in when I started the business. It's a great house. I love living here. (laughs) You know, uh, I have a nicer car, as you guys have seen, first time ever. I've got a really nice car. <laughs> um, is that what I'm looking to for my success? No. That, to me, is just the fruit of success that is tangible, that's monetary. The other fruit of the success, to me, is much more valuable. So that's what. I think. No, that's really good. I yeah. Like that. Thanks. Thank you for for sharing. That's a good insightful response because everybody does it differently. Everybody's got their own because it's shaped how we view our own lives is shaped by how we've seen other people live their lives and our own mistakes. A lot of people will be like, like I remember seeing a, a YouTube video a while back where everyone was like, what's one piece of advice you would give to everyone? And it was like a bunch of different ages and basically, it was every, every single person was just telling people not to commit the mistake that they did. It was basically, it wasn't a list of like, it wasn't like, what is something that everyone should do differently? It was just tell people about your biggest mistake right. and tell them not to do that. Because everyone's lives is just shaped yeah. by their own experience. So, uh, Ken Cousineau once said to me, I have learned much more from the mistakes I've made than from my successes. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Warren says... Um, he thinks it's really important 
for people to fail early and hard in life. Because if you experience a tremendous success too early, you get fooled into thinking it was easy and I can't fail. And that's not true. So he says it's good to fail early and fail hard um, because you learn a lot more from that. It also, I think, um, hopefully teaches us humility. Uh, just um, recognizing that it's not, you know, I, I, again, I like Rick Warren's description of humility. Humility is the guy that can walk into a room and not think, what's everybody think about me? And instead, you walk into the room and you think, who's the loneliest person here that I can go and talk to and somehow encourage, comfort, convince that you're not alone? You know, um, it's not, what's he say? It's not thinking about yourself less no it's not thinking less of yourself but thinking about yourself less um i I love that description so the failure the opposite of maybe success um, at least in this world and people who are seen as failures in this world um i don't i don't necessarily think of as failures most people who have succeeded, at least in our eyes, probably experienced some pretty significant hardship one way or another early in life. Maybe it wasn't in their business. Maybe it was with their family. Maybe it was with uh, a sibling. Maybe it was due to a loss or whatever it was. But those things tend to teach us some pretty important lessons. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and if there are people out there listening who do feel that way, do feel like they're failures, or I think that's a good, that would be a good thing to hear. Yeah. Just to be like, you know what? Failure is the precursor to true success. Yeah. And what failure? You know? What was the failure? Was the failure a financial failure? Was the failure a relationship failure? Was uh, was the failure uh, a health crisis? What was that failure? Um, you know, I mean, I, I usually point to the cross. If anybody looked like a failure, it was that man nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. That looks to me like failure. Yet, that is the most influential person in the world <laughs> that did that, you know. He turned an instrument of execution into a most beloved uh, instrument, you know, a uh, symbol. Um, it, it, it would be like us carrying, you know, an electric chair on a chain around our neck, you know. <laughs> Uh, we carry the cross on our neck. Why? Because this guy died on a cross. It looked like an ult, you know, like the ultimate failure. 
so confused. He thought he was God. Like, what a loser, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, knowing, knowing that uh, no matter what happens, or no matter what has happened to you, uh, no matter where you are in life right now, no matter what um, you're going through right now, and I and I know there are people out there that have gone and are going through some really significant difficulties, um, especially during this time. I think we've seen more uh, instances of people taking their own lives. Um, I, I I know of two people just in the last two weeks. Uh, young so people, hard. yeah, so young people, and what's that? It's it's meaning like there is no hope. There is no hope uh, for me. That 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 is the ultimate sign of hopelessness. Why do people feel hopeless? Right, because I'll never make it. I'll never be able to do good. I'll, I will, I'm a failure. Um, nobody really cares. Nobody really loves me. You know, there's that confusion there. And ultimately, I think the only way, frankly, that we can get through to each other in that way is to help one another by convincing them with our time and our love that they are valuable. That humility that you mentioned. Yeah. Thinking of yourself less. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's really, really hard. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah. There is hope out there. Amen. There is hope. Preach it. There is hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I have felt, uh, I felt, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast as well, even. And I'm not going to try to say it too much, but I've been feeling a little depressed as well recently. A little just down on myself. I, I am tempted to feel like a failure as well. And it seems crazy because like I'm I'm host of a success podcast. <laughs> like what the heck? Yeah. But it's like no one, nobody is beneath going through a hard time. Nobody is beneath um, feeling bad sometimes, but it's how you react to it. And I choose to react um, by staying strong and believing that there is hope at the end of the tunnel and, and getting right. through it. Uh, that's just what I choose to do. And yep. <clears throat> I think it's important also just to say that if somebody is experiencing depression, like mm-hmm. true clinical depression, that they need to get professional help. Absolutely. Um, there is discouragement, there is despair, there is anxiety. You know, all of these conditions um, can be helped Depression is a very serious one. Absolutely. And if people are really experiencing um, something that is diagnosed as clinical depression, then they should get help. Um, I, I, I have people in my family who have uh, experienced clinical depression and are getting medicinal help for it, and it's made a big change. It's helped them substantially um so yeah i'm not i'm not trying to equate that with what i was talking about earlier which is just this sense of 
um, failure. There's depression right. and then there's this, this sense of like, I'm a failure, I'll always be a failure. Um, uh, I'll never be able to succeed. The opportunities right now that are out there, especially for young people, and that's why I love what you guys are doing, which is you're trying to encourage people to to recognize those opportunities and to jump at them mm-hmm. and to take a chance, especially for you guys. Like I say to young people all the time, I probably said it to you guys. I'm almost sure I have. Um, don't get into a bad relationship. You need a bad relationship like you need a hole in your head. Okay. And what I mean by a bad relationship is um, making a commitment to somebody that you haven't really gotten to know well enough yet. Take your time. Get to know the person that you're going to be in a relationship with long term, especially if you want to marry them. So number one, don't get into a bad relationship. That'll make life very difficult for you. Number two, don't get addicted to anything. Don't get addicted to drugs. Don't get addicted to alcohol. Don't get addicted to pornography. Don't get addicted to gambling. Don't get addicted. That's a big danger right now for young people and old people, but especially young people. Stay away from getting addicted. You want to get addicted to something, you know, get addicted to relationships, get addicted to friendships, you know, like I'm now stretching the use of the word, of course, but invest yourself in relationships and friendships with good people. Hang around with good people. You will become like the people you hang around with. That's just the way life is. You want to be like that guy? Hang around with him. Spend time with him. Find good people and then serve people. Serve poor people. Serve people that are underprivileged. Spend some of your time doing that. It'll help you to be very grateful about what you do have as opposed to spending a lot of your time thinking about what you don't have. So that's another really important thing to do. And then keep yourself occupied. Get a good job. Get a job. Work. Even if it's not a great job right now. Work is really good. It's good to work. It's a blessing to work. Maybe it's not what you exactly want to do yet because you haven't figured out exactly what you want to do, but you don't want to spend your time sitting around doing nothing. And if there's one thing we know right now in the United States is that there are plenty of jobs. Most people are hiring people to do stuff that they are not qualified to do. Seriously. I mean, they're paying $14 an hour to work at McDonald's. I spent half an hour in a drive-thru the other day. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Now, honestly, they would hire you to manage a McDonald's. And you're like, I've never managed a McDonald's. I know you haven't, but believe me, they would take one look at you, Alden, and they would say, "Uh, within six months, that guy will be a manager for me. Now, I'm not saying you want to be a manager of McDonald's. I'm just saying that there are so many jobs out there right now for people to, you know, you, it's almost like you can't go somewhere and not see we're hiring and they're, they're trying to move people up the ladder rapidly. So keep yourself occupied. Um, and then 
the last thing I say is just keep learning. Keep learning. Keep keep learning. Reading, studying, listening to good podcasts like this. Seriously, that's that's I think what if if you if people do that, and then ultimately I say, look, um, if you do everything right, if you do all these things um, that I just talked about, and you don't do the first thing that I talked about, which is take care of your eternal soul, you're gonna fail. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna put that at the end, but. Those are the things that I think one needs to do um, to be, you know, to be on that road, to stay on that road to success. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I love it. Thanks. It's almost like, it's almost like I'm just listening to a whole separate podcast. It's, I, <laughs> it's such a blessing to be able to sit in the same room and hear it. Cause like I could close my eyes and I'd just be like, I'd just be listening to a talk, you know, but then I open my eyes like, oh. You guys are a lot of fun to be with, and you're very flattering, and thank you. Well, our, you're a very, you guys are a great blessing to me. Our podcast thrives off of good conversations. So Thanks. It, it's, it's truly an honor for us, and we say it a lot, but we're just thankful. So Thank you. Appreciate it. Before we, uh, it seems like probably wrapping up a little bit, before we go, you said a lot about to the people. But was there anything else you wanted to say as a closing uh, remark? I don't know, guys. I've said a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that there are people out there who listen to this podcast. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's at least a couple hundred. Right hopefully. now, actually, we've got a. Um, we hit a milestone recently of a thousand listens total over our, like three episodes that we've released. A thousand individual listens. Yeah, yeah that's is, awesome. Which is incredible. And yeah, that's, that's great. Pretty neat. So we huge thank you to all you people out there who are listening because it, yeah, it's great. Um, so I'm thinking some of those people that listen to you guys um, uh, do so because they because they really like you. Because they're your either your friends or your family, uh, first and foremost. Because those are the people that are going to want to support you the most. I know your I know your families, um, and I think about um, how proud they must be of you guys. Maybe they don't say it, but I'll tell you that I know that your families are incredibly proud of you. Um, they know that the fact that you're doing something like this just tickles them. And they're like, wow, look at that. Alden and Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> doing their own show, having their own podcast, talking about success, trying to, you know, influence people for good. This is great. I am I am so glad to see them doing this. And uh, I want to add my amen to that. Like, um, when you guys look back, I think, on this time of what you're doing right now, like, you're both in your early 20s. 
um, what you're doing already, you know, think about it. Like most people, when they're 18 years old, they go to college. You guys decided not to go to college, that you instead would take a different path. And this is the road less traveled for people your age. When you decided to do that, you didn't know, you know, when you were 18, what will life look for me like for me in four years? I would guess that most of your friends that you graduated high school with haven't graduated college yet. Is that true? Yeah. 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 I'd say. Okay. Yet you guys are not four years out of high school and I know what you're doing. I know the type of success that you've seen already. And I just look at that and I think, wow, you're setting a great example for people to say, there is another way. You don't have to go to college to be a success. You can take a different path. You guys are influencing people by what you're doing. This podcast, of course, is one of them, but I know the other things that you're doing in your life is as well. And so I know your families are very proud of you for what you're doing, and uh, I certainly am. I, I I can't wait to see what you guys look like in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a, I really do. We'll get a photo together. How yes, about that? And sure. then we'll post it on the Facebook when we do our release. No problem. And then 10 years from now, we can get yeah. back together. Again. Sure. <laughs> Take another one. <laughs> sure. Oh, great. Excellent. I appreciate it. Well, John, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you and you. Uh, learning, learning from your experiences and all the knowledge that you have. And uh, I appreciate your, your willingness to come on and spread some knowledge. And uh, I think our audience also appreciates it. Yeah, they're well. going to love it. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's close it down. Absolutely. John Kazanjian. Thank you very much. Um, be sure to come back next week. We'll be updating uh, another release. John, do you know which one that's going to be? I don't. I think uh, I think we're talking with Slim. Okay, sounds good. It's finally coming out. Nice. Yeah, we're gonna make it happen. All right. Um, but thank you to everyone who's listening around the world, around Michigan. I think there's people in Alabama even. We're really, really thankful for the support. And uh, just leave a review if you'd like. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, check out that Facebook page. Uh, This is the uh, Pursuing Success Podcast, and uh, see you next time. Signing off.